0: You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Today's reading, we'll be looking at um, Ephesians chapter 4 and invite you to turn there. Uh, as David said earlier, if you do not have a copy of scripture, you can take the the Bible out in the pew in front of you and you can Claim that is yours and take it with you. And um, it's our gift to you. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to jump to verse 11 and actually read to verse 18. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Now, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But... Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore... I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. This is the word of the Lord. We are not meant to be alone. We're not designed even to worship God alone. We are saved. We looked at this last week. We are saved individually and we are saved into God's kingdom, into his family, um, attached to his body as born again followers of Christ. We are saved by God. We are saved to him And to his people. So, we began this little series last week. um, We noticed several places within God's word that promote and endorse the significance of committing to one another and being membered in together in Christ. This is a beautiful, this is an amazing gift from God that we've called the church. However, We need to admit, we need to acknowledge that connecting, staying connected, remaining with these people in a genuine and healthy way can be difficult, right? Some of you are scarred. Some of us, I should say, are scarred. We have scars bearing on our psyche and our emotions of experiences that we've been in in churches that... Um, just, just wounded us. But, nonetheless, this is still a gift from the Lord. With all the imperfections that exist within the church because of the people in the church, how are we to now say that we are enjoying church? How are we to best enjoy this gift of church? Well, I think we see some of the answers to that question in this passage that we're gonna unpack a little bit today. Let's go to the Lord and ask him to teach us now. Lord, please, 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 help us to see the gift of the body of Christ. Help us to see it as a precious gift from you to us. Help us to see what we should see. Convict us where we need to be convicted Help us to hear, help us to see, help us to acknowledge our place. Show us, Lord, by the end of this time, what we must be doing as our individual part of this body. We ask you, Lord, because you're the one that is glorified. You are the one that is lifted up and you are the one that has given us this great gift. And we want to be faithful, stewards and good recipients of this great gift of the church. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into this text in chapter four, let's at least understand a little bit of the context of what's going on in this letter um, in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. When I do premarital counseling with couples, I Take them to Ephesians, and part of the six weeks to eight weeks to four weeks, however long it is, in the in the time that we get to do premarital counseling, I have broken down parts of this book for them to read together uh, before and after the wedding. And the reason for that is what we see from chapter four, chapter five, and chapter six is sort of the the putting into practice. On how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to do family together, what to look out for, how to have children, how children are to be. We see some very practical things on how to work well with each other, but that's chapter 4, 5, and 6. That's the how shall we then live part. What's happening in the first three chapters is breathtaking. Breathtaking. I have preached through the book of Ephesians before in another church. Every time I come to it, I still, in chapter 1, in chapter 2, in chapter 3, find myself stunned by what I read. If chapter 4, 5, and 6 are, this is what we should be doing. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 is a reminder of what God has done for us. It's a, it's a picture of of this is what God has done and is doing. This is what he's done to save you. This is what he's doing to hold you. This is what he's doing to keep you. It is amazing to read through that. And so we read through chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, beginning with chapter 4. We see that great and famous linking word, which is what? Therefore. Yeah, you're getting it. Okay. Therefore. Therefore. Therefore, for everything we've seen, therefore, I, Paul, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you. And then we get into, here's what we should be doing. I love this letter. I want to draw our attention specifically um, concerning the gift of the church. I want us to draw our attention to an important thing that we as church members need to consider. I want us to look, first of all, at verse 13 and verse 15. Verse 13, just we're going to pull it out. We're just going to look at this verse, and they're going to realize with me when you read it, like, well, there's a lot before it and a lot after it, and we're going to get to all that. But just look with me, verse 13, then we're going to jump over to verse 15. Verse 13 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, You want to underline a word? Here's a word to underline. Growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. It looks like there's something we should be aiming at. It looks like in this verse, there's something that is the goal of the gathering. And it looks like there is actually a bar. There is something to measure it by. The pursuit that we have is that we should be growing. We should be growing into maturity. Uh, What's the measure of that? Do we need to grow to the maturity of the pastor? Do we need to grow to the maturity of the best children's worker? Do we need to grow to the maturity of the person who's been a member the longest? Like, what's the maturity level that we should be aiming at? And let me just tell you that none of that is the level. Growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. We are to be growing in maturity to the fullness of Christ. Skip to verse 15. By speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. The head of the body, Christ. Let us grow. Let us grow. Let the people you've been saved into, let us grow. So today, when we look at the gift of the church, we're going to be looking at God's plan for us to understand that we are to grow together. We're going to see that the gift of the church is the gift of us growing together. So the question we should ask is this, am I growing in Christ in every way, individually. We we have a new parking structure. We have people parking in the grass. We have people hiking over some weird terrain in the grass over here, walking through that. We have all these children going over there. We keep asking for volunteers for more children. We got uh, a meeting today at 4 o'clock to kind of fi- try to, hoping to finalize some campus improvement plans. I mean, we've got all this exterior growth, but... The question I want us to ask that we should be asking as individuals, am I growing in Christ in every way? Am I seeing and enjoying the benefits of being connected to God? Am I seeing and feeling and enjoying the benefit of connecting with these people in God's name? Is there evidence of me becoming more stable mentally, more stable emotionally, more stable relationally? In order for you to be more stable in your relationships, it means your heart is getting softer, not harder. Is this me? Am I growing more like Christ? When we look at verses 14 through 19, or 14 through 18, I won't read them again, um, or specifically 14 through 17. Is that me? Is this describing me in my life? Is this something I'm enjoying as the gift in this church? We should yearn to grow in Christ together in every way. We should be growing spiritually. Are we? Are you? Is your family? What instructions are given to us that help us to analyze this, that help us and show us how to be growing together spiritually. Well, we see this in this very text. Look back with me at verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is the first thing we see here, urge you, number one, to live worthy of the calling you have received. If you want to know how to be growing spiritually, first thing that we need to understand is there's this calling that we've gotten and we need to be living worthy of that calling. Are you? Are are we? You might be asking, well, what calling? (laughs) What, What are you referring to? Pastor, you didn't call me this week. Where did I miss? What's going on? Uh, Before we can evaluate if we're living up to this calling, it's important for us to remember and understand what this calling is and to see how precious it is. By the way, I'll give you a hint. We just sang about it. Paul's first three chapters of this letter tell us exactly what this calling is and what we've been called to. Let's just unpack a little bit. Let's unfold it a little bit of what we see in some of the chapters leading up to this chapter 4, verse 1. In chapter 1, verse 3, we see that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In verse 4, we see that he chose us and he did this before the foundations of the world. In verse 5, it says that he chose us, blessed us to become Holy, like even have the opportunity. This calling, this pulling us to holiness is even a gift. We see throughout these chapters that we are we were like aliens, foreigners. We're outside of the blessing that God has for us. It's actually worse than that. We were spiritually dead. Like we were without life spiritually. And his call woke us up. That's the calling. The the calling of life woke us up. So Christ, chapter 2, we see it, he made us alive. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's a gift from God. It's not because you worked. It's not because you're so skilled. It's not because he knew you were going to say this or do that. No, God gave us life. He gave us this gift of life by grace alone. You'll see that verse as you walk into the front door etched in the rock up there as you enter in. It's Ephesians 2.8. God called us to him. He called us to his people. So and we see that throughout these three chapters. It is this calling that understands that he created us, he made us alive, he saved us, he adopted us so that we would then walk and live as thankful people, as faithful, thankful children in his family reflecting his majesty reflecting his worth reflecting how wonderful his grace really is so to answer the question if i'm growing in maturity we should begin with this question that we see in that we see in verse 1 am i living a life worthy of what god has done for me do i think about it Do I care about it? Am I thinking about it often, about what he's done to create me, adopt me, save me, forgive me? Am I living a life worthy of that? The ESV translation says that we are to walk in a manner worthy of this. We don't have to look very far into this text to even see what that looks like. Jason, What does it look like to walk in a manner worthy of this? Live live worthy of the calling you have received, verse two. And we see first of all, this list of what that looks like. With all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. Let's just break those down one at a time. Humility, does anybody have a hard time knowing what humility really means? I mean, you know it when you see it, right? Humility, one way to describe this is when we think about the calling that we received. Have you gotten over it already? When you hear songs about the cross and we learn about the sovereign God and what he's done for us, is it just something we're like, yeah, that was neat and let's just kind of celebrate that at Christmas and let's celebrate that at Easter or are you coming to these songs and coming to these scriptures and you're like, I can't believe that he did that for me. I'm still stunned by that grace. I'm still amazed. That is where humility is displayed. I can't believe he wants me. I can't believe he would have me. I can't believe he redeemed me. I can't believe he placed me in a family like this that I don't deserve. We should ask ourselves do I enter the congregation as a critic or as someone who's thankful? Do I come ready to find errors? My little scorecard about the liturgy or about the music or about the seating choices or about the color schemes or that there's candelabras that don't match or Yeah, you're all looking at that now, right? Yeah, so do I or, or do I come looking at oh they do children's stuff this way or they sing that song and man it was a little loud this week or or the this or that or or do we enter into his presence? ready to see and ready to hear the testimony of what God's doing in the life of the people next to us. I'm like, Jason, how can I hear that? You're the only one that talks. Yeah, you can hear it in the way they sing. You can hear it by just going, wow, this is a singing church. These people get those words on that screen. It may not be their style. It may be their style. I don't know but they believe these words. Has church life become more about your felt needs, your mood, how you should be interpreted or how you think things should be? Or do you come to the congregation in all that God has done all this for you? So the question is, in our humility, am I doing better in this arena or not? Am I still insisting in my own way or do I gladly think, you know what, I don't understand that. I don't know why. That's a weird decision. But you know what, I just can't believe I get to be part of this. There's a humility factor in there. Humility is tricky though. It's tricky because we can say things that sound humble. We're good at that and we can still be filled with pride even though we say things that are churchy that sound humble. What do we call that? Call it a false humility, right? False humility actually looks sweet at first glance. False humility is really hidden arrogance. False humility is hidden arrogance that wants people to think much of their humility. And it works to endear people to their cause, to their agenda. But God's not fooled. He sees what is true. He sees what is false. Here in this text, Paul is urging us, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility. Do you see humility developing more and more in your life? Or do you see more arrogance in your life? Okay, well, how do I really know? Well, with all humility and gentleness, gentleness usually flows from somebody who's humble. Gentleness is meekness. It is humbled strength under control. False humility is arrogant passions unleashed. Are others withdrawing from you because they are afraid to talk to you or are they drawn to you because they sense that from you will be a a reception of gentleness? Do people see a hard side of me only, or do they also see a soft side of me? Humility will often lead us into gentleness. And then gentleness leads us to be patient. With all humility and gentleness, with patience. Some translations for patience use the phrase long suffering. (laughs) This doesn't mean just tolerating somebody. It doesn't mean just saying, oh, there, there, bless her heart. No, this is a patience that's bearing with another in love. It's a patience that, the way I wrote it down in my notes, it's hard to explain what this looks like, but it's a type of angst that's mixed in with expectant hope. You see somebody's imperfections or their dysfunction, and instead of just tolerating it, there's this struggle with them. Like, it's awkward, I don't know, uh, but you know what? God's not giving up on you, and I'm not giving up on you. It's this awkwardness and this weirdness like, I know that you're struggling even within yourself. I'm here with you, and I'm going to be for you, even if I don't know how to help you fix it. It's this patience that's enduring. We should ask ourselves, am I expecting perfection in people in the church? If I notice some flaw in somebody, do I always see the flaw in them? Or am I making room for flaws and instead of just identifying people by some dysfunction or some flaw, am I scheduling time to 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 get to know them? Am I praying for them? I urge you to live a life worthy of that calling that involves humility, that sees gentleness growing and developing and patience that's enduring with others. This is what it means to grow up in Christ, living this kind of life. It means that we should be living a life worthy of the calling we received. It also means this, We see it in verse 3, that we should make every effort to promote unity. How do I know if I'm growing in Christ? Well, I think I'm growing and living worthy of the calling I received. And I think, I can see in my life, that I'm making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Is that you? We see... In these following verses here, just this, we see the calling to make every effort, but we see also the foundation of this peace. Making, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. Keeping the unity of the Spirit through the bond of of peace, that sounds strong, doesn't it? It sounds like this is a powerful unity. This isn't just some little little sweet gatherings where we pretend to be nice to one another, but then as soon as somebody, after they service their their turkey and they walk on, then we go, Oh yeah, this person. Da, da, da. No, there's something strong here. We see it in the imperative that we are to make every effort to keep this, to protect this. This is a gift that's given to us. We have been united in, grafted into this unity. Our role is we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit of Peace. I love that he reveals to us that the description of this unity and this powerful unity doesn't come from us. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the grace of God that not only is united in himself, but calls us to disunity. It is a gift of him to us. And growing to maturity in Christ means that we will strive to live worthy of the calling and we will strive to make every effort to protect the unity in the church, to keep the unity in the church. Are are you doing this? Are you making every effort to protect the unity in the church? If you wanna know, if you're growing up in Christ, if you wanna know, if you're growing closer to Christ, I ask you, commit today to make every effort to protect and keep the unity in the body of Christ. You're not going to grow to be like Christ if you're not making every effort to protect the unity of his bride. Don't bash the bride and expect to be close to the groom. You cannot you cannot backtalk my wife and expect to be my friend. You bash the bride of Christ. You're just distancing yourself from Christ. Protect the unity of the body. One translation actually says make every effort. It could be translated, I mean, one translation says be eager to do this. A sense of urgency, do this. But we also see it's not just living a life worthy of the calling. It's not just making every effort to keep unity. But if you skip over to verse 16, we see quite clearly that it gets kind of specific here. The third thing we need to be asking or the third thing we need to be aware of is we need to do our part as part of the body. Verse 16, from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love, check this out, by the proper working of each individual part. The proper, oh, the illustrations to this are glorious. I'm going to use probably the most common one. Teams use this illustration. You've heard it. Your coach has done this. Your family unit has probably said this in some way, but all you got to do is look at your hand. If you sprain the ring finger in your hand, what happens to the hand? It's bruised. It hurts. It doesn't function like the hand should function. Then you get by, you can do things. You learn to work without that finger, but it's a struggle. When, and again, I come back to this illustration because it's just, this is how I've learned this. Unfortunately, I had, it's taken me five times at least to learn this but I've had five knee surgeries. And when one part of the knee happens, you had a torn ligament, I've had that, I've had torn cartilage, I've had stuff like this happen, and now I've got some arthritis. When when that happens, then the, the joint actually swells up. It's an indication something's wrong with the body because there's some parts in the body that are malfunctioning. There's some dysfunction in Jason's knee that's causing the knee joint to swell up, well, if that's not tended to, if the parts, individual parts aren't tended to, the the knee's gonna be a problem, then his walk and his run and his gait's gonna be a problem, it's gonna hurt his hips, it's gonna hurt his spine, you're gonna just see this happen over the body. It's the same thing with us in the church family. So, if my knee's swelling... You could ask the question: If my knee's swelling, then something's wrong with the parts. Let me ask you: Is are the people around you healthy? Is are there people around you swelling? Is there some sort of individual part in you that's causing dysfunction of those around you—family, church family, small groups—or is there any kind of disturbance of fellowship? In your life, then there's an individual part problem, right? Something. We don't know what it is. Maybe you don't know what it is. But this is why we're looking at this. By the proper working of each individual, I think we should take the time every Sunday or join me in taking the time every day just to put yourself before the Lord and say in some way, God, am I a hindrance? to anyone else's spiritual growth? Is there something in me that's keeping people from growing to be like you? Individual parts of the body are so important. We should live a life worthy of the calling. We should make every effort to protect the unity of peace. And we should, as individuals, seek and make sure that we are not malfunctioning spiritually. Salvation is a gift From God, We are are as saved people to understand that we are saved to God and we are saved to his kingdom. We're not placed outside the kingdom. We're brought into the kingdom, into his community to grow up in Christ together with one another. We're to grow together in this way. So if you sprain your finger, what do you do with that finger? You just let it heal? What's going to happen? You're going to keep banging it, right? So you know the buddy principle. You buddy take that finger to the healthy finger. And that's going to help that finger get better. There's going to be another finger that carries the load of that. If you hurt your leg like I've referred to, you're given what? Crutches. It's important that we work together to help one another grow together. So how do we do that? What is God's plan to do that? Well, we see that here in this text as well. God has given us a plan that we're to check and see how we grow in humility, grow in patience, grow in continued grace for other people. We see how we can grow from spiritual dysfunction so that the body can function well. The answer is in this text. Look with me at verse seven. And he gave some... To be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Verse 11. Actually, that was verse 11. Verse 7, sorry. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11. And he himself gave these people. Verse 12. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we'll no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around. We see here that God has provided us people for our equipping for the works of the ministry. This is people given to us for us to be trained so we can go minister to other people. I thank God for the people who have equipped me so that I can be here to help equip you. For equipping, verse 12, the saints for building up the body of Christ, helping us, helping these little bitty parts develop, we thank God for the buddy that we can be taped to. I didn't ask his permission, but Eric over here just joined the church a few weeks ago he was somebody that I was taped to when after I got out of surgery, I went to rehab. I could very easily say, I don't trust you. I don't like you. I've had some bad physical therapists before. And then I've had guys like Eric that's not on his phone looking at stuff while I'm stable. No, he's walking with me. He's catching me. He's pushing me. I don't want to warm up. That's just the warm up. What, I got to do more than it? Yeah, you got to do more than this. And helping us, it's the buddy tape. We, we need, I was assigned to him to walk. This is what we are to be for one another in the church. We see here equipping the saints, work for ministry to build the body up until we all reach unity. These people given to us by God are to lead us to protect the unity, watching for it. These people that God's given, the we see it here, the the apostles, the prophets, the the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers are given to us to watch for disunity, to look for it so that we can grow in maturity to the fullness of Christ till we all reach that stable part, that mature part, that unity. We don't want anybody to be unstable in their walk. So who does this? Who are these people? Well, we see it. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There is and there always has been a link of faithful evangelists, faithful prophets, faithful pastors and teachers to a healthy local church. Always has been. You might want to do it a different way, but there's always been that. I am thankful for those who have quit me. And I know what might happen today somebody that wasn't here or you're going to lunch and say, well, let's unpack that sermon. Sounds like Jason was saying he's God's gift to us. (laughs) It's the risk, right? Like you look at that and go, wow, Jason's sure full of himself. Or anybody in that role. Just know that every time I study and pray, it's been because somebody has equipped me And I am praying, and and I don't get into this story now, but I'm praying that someday that even from this crowd or somebody watching on live feed, that there will raise up more ministers and teachers and preachers and evangelists from this group. I believe it. Why would I do this if I don't believe that this could happen? And I thank God for you, and I thank God for those with me. God has put people in our life for our growing joy, for our stability, for the individual part to not make the whole body swell up. To keep unity, to keep enjoying the gift of church instead of having generations leave the church saying, I hate the church, I hate the church, I hate the church, but no, we protect the unity so that when these little ones are looking at us, they won't hear these side conversations of gossip and these bad things going on here, but they can see a people that are like, They all love each other. They're pretty messed up. They're imperfect, but they love each other. They're buddy taping to each other. They're helping each other walk. And when they have their own families, they can look back and say, what a gift it was to look at that and see that. Do you see your pastors and teachers as gifts from the God from God for your spiritual growth? We should. We've seen bad ones. We've seen good ones. We pray here that you would see good ones, faithful ones. The words here are evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers. Don't have the time to get into the breakdown and what that is applied and how that looks today, but we should notice what the words don't say. They don't say that God gave us kings, CEOs, priests, policemen, or even firefighters to put out fires in the church. No, not even a type of grief first responder. We expect our pastors to be that kind of person, but what we see here are specific roles that the pastors and teachers are to be. These are gifts from God for the people to tell good news, like an evangelist. This is a gift from God so that people would be warned and point back to God's words and God's promises. This is a gift from God so that people would understand and learn more and more the mysteries of the gospel and the precious promises that help keep us grounded. This is a gift from God so that somebody will keep watch over our lives. And if if you're like me, that we have a tendency to walk out this way, that there's somebody saying, uh-uh, uh-uh. no, the greener pastures here, the stiller water is here. Many people step into these roles. And they think themselves as God's gift to humanity. But what we're looking for is people like Paul that we can read. And I just want to read the few verses leading up to this chapter 4. Listen to Paul's heart. Listen to this shepherding. Listen to what he's after. This is what he writes to them right before chapter four. Verse 14, for this reason, listen to Paul's heart. Listen to this pastor, teacher, evangelist, listen to this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. A prideful, arrogant pastor doesn't pray things like that because they don't recognize that all of the power and all of the riches and all the glory are coming from God. They think it's coming from them. No, Paul is bowed before the Lord and saying, Oh Lord, bring this to the people. Verse 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love this example because Paul's not saying, I always want to be over you, I am praying, and we are praying together as a church, we're praying what Paul's praying, that all of us are rising up together that we may gain the fullness and the knowledge of Christ so that we can all together say things like this. Now to him who is able, I'm gonna need my glasses. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power of working within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. The church is a gift. It's a gift of imperfect parts coming together to grow together. It's a gift of God putting people to help protect the unity of the church. We are not meant to be alone. We are not designed to worship God alone. We are saved to be buddy taped with other people, his family, the body of Christ, following Christ, giving glory to Christ. I ask you to bow your head and to pray with me. I'm gonna gonna encourage you to, to pray these things however you feel led to pray them, ask God to reveal these things to you before we sing together. Just ask, Lord, am am I receiving help and support for the broken parts in my life? Am I allowing you to buddy tape me with somebody else? Am I allowing you to put me with somebody that's going to help me stabilize my walk or am I pushing them away? And then ask, Lord, am I making every effort to keep and protect the gift of unity in this church? Every effort. And then ask, am I living worthy of this gift of salvation? Am I pursuing humility, gentleness, and patience? Lord, thank you for saving us. Every one of us is in great need Of your continued grace in our lives. We thank you for the grace to save us. We thank you for the grace to connect us with others. We thank you for your plan for us to grow together. We thank you that none of this could be done in our own strength. We thank you that we are on solid rock. We thank you that you hear our confessions. And that you're quick to forgive us and restore us and help us. oh Lord, as imperfect people, we have a lot to be thankful for. We thank you for the head of the body, Christ, the only one who's perfect. Who laid down his life so that his righteousness can be put onto me. We deserve less, but you've given us everything. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.